All right, guys, we want to bring up another sponsor of ours. It is Kelsey Picker Realtor with Keller Williams Coastal Area Partners. And if you need to buy or sell property anywhere in the United States, go to kelseypicker.kw.com. And her information will be at the bottom of that page or reach out to us at any of our social media pages or our email. And we will be happy to put you in touch. <laughs> Who's that coming down the track? Who's that coming down the track? It's a mean machine and red and black. It's a mean machine and red and black. What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes, back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And today we are almost entirely talking about... News, baseball, softball, tennis, and what most of y'all are actually here for, and that is football. We're talking about just about every sport today. Um, but before we get going, are you drinking anything tonight? Just some regular uh, barbecue water, as you like to call it. That good old DP. D-Peppy. D-Peppy. So I am um, – I said it a few weeks ago, I'm doing a – just any meeny miny mo of my collection of the ones that have the most dust on them. So I hadn't touched them in a while. <laughs> and this is from the Pursuit United series, which actually they started off as a bourbon podcast years ago and have branched out to now they have their own line of bourbon, which is really cool. Um, oh. But they source barrels from a bunch of different distilleries and then blend them together. So it's their own stuff. And this is, no, there's something on it somewhere. <laughs> it, there's a specific series that this bottle's in. I don't know. It's 108 proof. Um, it was really good. And I forgot I had it until I went up to the bar a few minutes ago. So figured I'd crack it open because I haven't tried it in probably a year. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. So we are we're going to start with baseball, and it's really going to be the low point of the podcast today. Is there ever um, a high point when we talk about baseball? There was early on. There was hope, or as Will Ogburn likes to call it, hopium. We had hopium. some hopium in our veins, and it's all gone. So last week, the Diamond Dogs took on Georgia Southern. And the Vandy boys this past weekend. And if you'd gone to sleep and had a nightmare and woken up, it might have been better than than what happened. That Vandy series was so bad. Well, they lost by 10 to Southern at home. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because um, I got a friend getting their PhD at Georgia right now, but got their undergrad at Southern, so they went to the game in all Southern gear. And, uh, yeah. Nice. Traitor. And then, so after they lost by 10 
to the Georgia Southern Eagles. They went on to get swept by the commies, a total score of 29 to 10. Which, if that's not bad enough, Jaden Woods took his first loss of the season by giving up eight runs on Friday. Liam Sullivan gave up five runs on Saturday in only three innings. And in the shutout on Sunday, Matthew Hoskins gave up two runs in two and two-thirds innings to complete the sweep and bring the dogs to one and seven in conference play so far this season. And for it to get even worse, the competition only gets harder. They haven't Dude. played LSU or Tennessee or, you know. I mean, it turns out South Carolina is a pretty good team because they're ranked in the top ten right now and still lead the entire D1 in home runs. Um, I'll take that out. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to get easier. Um, but as of right now, this moment on Tuesday night, they are playing at Kennesaw State. And I am trying to pull the score they're, up. To... They're up 6-4 in the eighth. Okay. Okay. But it is Kennesaw State. So you got to put a little bit of that in perspective. They gave up four runs at Kennesaw State. They... Gave up two in the first, one in the fifth, and then one in the seventh. They scored all of their six runs in the first and second inning. Three in the first, three in the second. Got out hot and coasted. Yeah. They're playing that prevent defense right now. (laughs) Oh, this is this is rough. This you gotta find you gotta find some humor because there's no joy. Man, like, I don't understand. We've talked about it before. You and Mike talked about it. Like, there's no way this Georgia team with the amount of talent that comes out of not just Georgia, but South Carolina in baseball, Alabama in baseball. There's so much talent that comes out of those three states alone that you should be able to recruit out of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, after G-Day, I'm going to take a uh, a real hard deep dive in – Coaches that I want to possibly replace to replace uh, Scott Strickland because this is beyond unacceptable. And the level of talent that the team has just continues to drop down a little bit every year. And I'm really not trying to disparage the guys because the guys that are on the team, like Liam Sullivan, Jaden Woods, Nolan Crisp, like these guys have so much potential it's almost like there is no pit, pitching coach on staff. Yeah, dude. I, yeah. Because what they ha- what they got to Georgia with is what they're doing right now, and yep. Georgia could afford a good coach for baseball. One hundred percent. And because that's really the only spring sport that they have, I you know there are other spring sports, but baseball is like premier in the SEC spring sport. If you gave, man, if you gave the Athens area or the state as a whole a small amount of encouragement of, like, a good first half of the season, the NIL money would roll in. Dude. Especially because half the team's from the Athens area. Yeah. Okay, 
there's there just isn't any reason to believe that the current coaching staff has the ability to get back to the promised land. And that is in the only this is the only sense of promised land that you can refer to Omaha as any other context. Omaha is not promised land. Dude, I just I'd love to go to the World Series. Dude, I would just love to make it to the postseason. And they used to consistently make the postseason. They used to host regionals, host super regionals. Yeah. I have a Georgia baseball shirt that I'm just embarrassed to wear now. (laughs) It's – man, I'm I'm fired up about how bad the baseball team is, especially when you started out – like you had multiple guys hitting 500 and still losing games. It's just unacceptable. I I really – that's the point that I've come to because what's currently on the field is unacceptable. I mean, at this point, we're pretty much just being a dead horse. <laughs> and sometimes you got to send a message by beating a dead horse. Sometimes you got to. I just, I've given, like I said, I've given up on this team. Um, I don't know. But you know who we haven't given up on? Them Diamond Dogs. Well, them Lady <laughs> Diamond Dogs had themselves a phenomenal weekend, taking two of three from the 16th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. Saturday, they beat Kentucky 9-5. to five. Sunday was a little bit closer, 4-3. And they did lose 4 to nothing on Monday. But they still took two out of three from a ranked team. And, uh, I mean, that, that in itself is positive, especially when – Softball team also took part in a uh, breast cancer awareness campaign this weekend, auctioned off the pink jerseys they wore, and raised over $4,800 for cancer research through that. Um, And not only did they raise money for a good cause, beat a ranked team, they have moved up to 14th in the USA Today slash NFCA poll. And apparently there's like eight polls for college softball for rankings. I thought they were... I thought they were eighth. I thought they moved outside the so, top ten. So that's that's what I'm getting to because there's like eight polls. So <laughs> they're 14th in USA Today slash NFCA. They're eighth in the ESPN slash USA Softball. They're eighth in D1 Softball rankings, and then in Softball America, which USA Softball and Softball America seem like one person just got mad at and started a company with almost the same name. But I they're think, sixth in Softball America. I like that one better. Yeah. But doesn't but, Go ahead. They follow the USA one, right? Like the NFCA USA or whatever. So the USA Today poll and ESPN, like if you go to Georgia Softball's website, they have both on there. And I, I don't... I man, I this is more confusing than the week that people care about the AP poll and the college football playoff poll. Like I don't, I don't know. So Tennessee, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but props to the softball team because they actually posted a graphic today on their Instagram where they posted all four rankings. They're like, I don't know what we use. We're just gonna put them all up. Hell yeah! No, dude, I love um, like. Like I said last week, man, I love going to softball games. Me and my buddy, we actually made one of their um, 
super regional like hype videos. Like oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to find the clip and post it. But yeah, it's, man, I'm the, I'm all in on the softball team. Like dude, I, I'm telling you, go to a game. They are so much fun. I just I'm probably not getting back up to Athens before the season's over. Spring game and there's something going on that weekend. I'm gonna be in Austin that weekend. Oh shit, that's right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this week on Thursday, the Lady Diamond Dogs do travel to Fayetteville to take on the ninth ranked Arkansas Razorbacks to start that series. And we've right. already kind of mentioned it a little bit. Go ahead. Defending SCC champions, Arkansas, Arkansas We've already mentioned it a little bit, but if you don't already, go follow all Georgia softball social media pages and show them even more love because they deserve it. They are killing it. At this point, they're hosting a regional in Athens, potentially a super regional. Like, if you're looking for a Georgia spring sport to get behind, all of their games are on ESPN+. Plus. I know you guys already have it. Watch them. Just watch. They're fun. Just watch They're them. good. And I love baseball. Don't get me wrong. I love I love baseball. I actually got the Georgia game on the computer right here. I got the Cubs game on the TV. Um, softball is just – it's so much more exciting. It's so much more fast-paced. It's – like, I don't want to say condensed because, I mean – but it's so much more exciting. It's so much more fast-paced. I'll be honest, man. I Softball perplexes me. Because I don't understand how they pitch. Like, I understand how it works. So Like, the physics behind it don't make sense to me. Don't make sense. No, so I have a bunch of really good friends that used to play for Auburn. And that we would, you know, do the whole, like, Oh, I played baseball. I can hit off of you. And one of them was at like an SEC, like all conference pitcher. And I'm like, I you can couldn't hit get off. a hit. Oh, bro, <laughs> you smoked me. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, if it, you do the physics behind it, softballs are thrown faster, not just because of the angle it comes from, but also they're closer. So it's harder to hit a softball when you look at the physics of it. Yeah, is he quick? So like. A we'll say like fifty mile an hour softball is like equivalent to like a ninety five mile an hour fastball. Yeah, like the, yeah, the react time and like stuff like that you have between like the plate and the mound. Yeah, I don't, I like, I just, I don't get it, and I am completely <laughs> willing to admit my stupidity here. I don't get it, but it is extremely impressive. It's so, so much fun. So, for the rest of the season for softball, they are playing 18th-ranked Florida Gators, 11th-ranked LSU Tigers, and then they have series against unranked Georgia Southern, USC Upstate, South Carolina, and Mercer. So, I'm glad you brought up Florida because my favorite softball memory was – God, I can, I can never pronounce her name, but they called her Moose. She had a walk-off homer against Florida in Gainesville to go to the World Series. Yes, I'm here for it. 
Dude, I was so hyped watching that. Yeah, that's probably like my favorite like softball memory. Yeah, that is my favorite softball memory. But yeah, man, but no. there was there was a girl on the game that I watched on I believe it was Saturday or Sunday. That no, it had to have been Sunday. I watched part of the game, and she hit a home run and then a double. I think she went like three for four at the plate that night. And I was like, I, that, "You're my favorite." That's it. You're my this favorite. Is what it is. I, I love you. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, all right, guys. They just, so I'm watching the Georgia game. They just put up their upcoming schedule. They got number ten Kentucky. Oh, it's murderers row. Then it's they, awful. Then they play. At Clemson, like a midweek game. Then number three, Florida. Uh huh. Clemson comes to Athens, and then number five, Arkansas. Yeah, and they still haven't played Tennessee <laughs> yet this season. No. It, the SEC is a murderer's row in baseball, and Dude. um. So, I'm glad you brought up base like brought up SEC being a murder row. I saw something earlier, all right? So the SEC has won the past four college football national championships, the past two women's basketball national championships, and the past two college World Series national championships. Both Mississippi schools. Both Mississippi schools. Like, and then LSU, congrats to LSU, by the way. Yes. LSU women's beat Caitlin Clark. And uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I saw this graphic. I put it in the Facebook group. Caitlin Clark scored more points in the women's March tournament than Iowa football did. I think it's the last two seasons. Yeah, they. Yeah, she went off. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I thought about bringing this up, and I didn't put it in the outline. But since we're talking about it. The whole thing of everybody calling the LSU player classless for doing the you can't see me and doing the ring finger thing. Dude. Every every football team has done that once they know the game's been put away for yep. years. We don't call them classless. Nope. No, it, even, it's a sexism not thing. Even not even that. Kaylin Clark, if you watch the first part of that game, the whole first quarter she was doing the you can't see me, but no one yeah. said anything. But as soon as Angel no. Reese did it, Dear fucking God. No, I, if you think it was a classless move, either you only paid attention so you could be upset about something, or you still have a little bit of sexism in you because Nolan Smith did it after he sacked Bryce Young. Yeah, I wouldn't even say sexist. Because, I, I mean, are, are you talking about just the ring point or that you can't see me? All of it. Like, uh, that stuff happens on a football field every game. Yeah. And no I mean, one bats at, an eye. And we'll, I'll even throw LSU since we're talking about LSU, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, it, like, there. don't get me wrong, there are some things that are not that classy that happen on a football field, <laughs> especially when it comes to rivalries and big games. But if you're not upset, that Nolan Smith did it standing over Bryce Young when Georgia won that national title. Shut up about LSU. Yeah. And uh, motherfuckers that are probably mad about it don't even watch women's basketball. No. <laughs> I mean, to be completely fair, I don't watch watch much women's basketball because I don't really watch basketball, if I'm being really honest with you. 
I don't either, but, but you don't see my two cents out there. I mean, you are now, but. <laughs> yeah, and this is just, if if you can, if you can exchange Angel Reese with a man and not be upset, the problem is not with what she did and it's how you're perceiving it. Yeah. No, 100%. It's ridiculous. And I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But speaking of that, did you see, like, not to get like political or anything, but did you see what Joe Biden did? What this time? She invited both South Carolina and Iowa, or not South Carolina, LSU and Iowa to the White House. How many times have you ever seen a runner-up in anything go to the White House? I I am going to abstain from talking about this. I'm just saying, like, because... even Kate, well, they asked, so I brought that up to say that they asked Caitlin Clark about it, and she's like, no. She's like, we're not going to the White House. She's like, you never see the runner-up go to the White House. She's like, I'm going to let LSU enjoy this moment. Like, this is their moment. Yeah. I, winning <laughs> and losing still has to mean something in society. Yes. Yes. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I am doing my best to uh, to not – yep. All right. On to tennis. <laughs> And I know what y'all are thinking. Tennis? Who cares? Georgia does. Know, I was about to say, if you don't know, the dogs have two of the most dominant tennis programs in the country over the last, like, 30 years. Yeah. And I, that's not a joke. And they don't get the attention they deserve, If I, I like, in my opinion. No, they really don't. So, but did the uh, football uh, social media the other day, I didn't see it. What the football team? I want to say there was a baseball game going on. Is it a baseball or softball? But the football, the whole football team went to the tennis match and just got that. fucking height at the tennis oh, yeah. match. Oh yeah, and tennis. Don't get me wrong. Tennis is getting more attention over the last couple of years because I've heard from people that have made tennis matches that like Georgia fans are getting rowdy, especially when it's like Florida or. Another team. Sorry, I thought I was on mute here. Um, when it's like Florida or another rival, like they get rowdy and like talk trash to the coaches because the tennis stadium <laughs> is so it's so close. Like you're sitting right next to the coaches and the players. It's really nice though. Yeah, and I, they- I was actually going to talk about facilities down here towards the end, but yeah, no, it's. What they're what they're what they have and what they're doing is pretty cool. It's hosted it's just, it hosted the national championship not that long ago. Well, it used to be the annual side of the national championship until the weather started getting bad around the national championship tournament, and Georgia time did not have an indoor facility. So that's mm. why they moved it, and that's why it moves around the country now. But Thanks to the best athletic director in the country, Georgia is now getting a brand new state-of-the-art indoor tennis facility oh, wow. to try and bring the national championship tournament back to Athens. I didn't realize that they that they hosted it every year. Oh, yeah. It used to be literally every year. That's cool. Like, I didn't it, know that. 
if you know anyone that's into college tennis for the longest time, Georgia was like the whole Georgia was Omaha for yeah. college baseball. Like that was Athens. And that's then the facilities fell behind and, and, you know, thanks to Josh Brooks, we're, we're diverting some of the athletic de- department money to getting back to where, I mean, where the facility should be for a program of the stature of Georgia tennis. Yeah. And so what I mean by that, Georgia's men's tennis team is currently ranked seventh in the country with the third overall single player, Ethan Quinn, and the seventh overall double pair, Ethan Quinn and Trent Bride. And Trent Bride, like, if you – he'll be playing in professional tennis circuits soon. Trent Bride is a great player. I think his is his fourth year in Georgia. Um. But the team as a whole is 14 and 5 with an undefeated conference record of 8 and 0. And there are the SEC is just elite at every sport because the tennis, it's like five of the five or six of the top 20 are SEC schools. I want to say Florida is like in the top 10, I believe. Yeah. And the International Tennis Association is who does college tennis rankings. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it their website is trash. It is so <laughs> difficult to navigate. It took me longer to write out the tennis part of the outline because I had to use that website than it did the rest of it combined. <laughs> so <clears throat> for the rest of the season, another another murderer's row in an SEC sport because they're playing South Carolina in Columbia starting on Friday, and then they go down to Gainesville for an Easter Sunday match against the Gators and then have home matches the next weekend against Mississippi State and Ole Miss. South Carolina is sixth in the country in men's tennis. Florida is 20th. Ole Miss is 29th, and Mississippi State is unranked. And that's just the men's side of it. Like, it's it's yeah. a murderer's row. So we go to the yeah, women's side. Go ahead. So the SEC, like anyone that says the SEC isn't the best conference, is definitely on that opium or that haterade, not opium. Two different drugs, equally uh, equally addictive. <laughs> so the women's tennis team, fifth in the country, and by the way, the women's tennis team has been national runner up multiple times over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Like one match point from winning a national title multiple times over the last few years. The women's team is 15 and four with an eight and one conference record, still fifth in the country, which tells you just how much, just how competitive women's tennis is in college. And they are at home against South Carolina on Friday. They pretty much have the opposite schedule the men's team does. They're at home against South Carolina. And Florida this weekend, and the next weekend is Mississippi State and Ole Miss on the road. South Carolina women's team is 27th. Florida is a 17th. Ole Miss is 74th because they go down to 75 in college tennis rankings. I don't – man, I don't – just another sport that I don't quite understand. (laughs) Um, But I'm trying. You know, I'm I'm trying. I'm putting in the effort to get better about understanding these things. And then – Mississippi State is once again unranked in the ITA rankings. Georgia's Leah Ma, and I have seen her highlights. This girl is 
Next level. Third ranked singles player in the country on the women's side. And then I'm going to butcher this girl's name. I know it. Dasha Vidmanova. Sure. Um, She's ninth in the country. So Georgia has two women in the top 10 for singles in the country. I mean, that's that's nuts. But just just kind of just to to save you guys from potentially looking at the ITA's website, because like I said, it's terrible. But tennis is such a weird sport in the women's ranking. Pepperdine University is like top three. Pepperdine, Pepperdine, I don't know. Pepperdine. Yeah, third, like third, they're top five. Nuts. But just like with softball, go follow all the social medias for tennis. One, because even if you can't watch the games, although they are free to watch, they post match by match updates in their stories. Yeah. So if you're just like scrolling through Instagram, you can tap on the story and see the progress of a match throughout the day instead of sitting down to watch it. Because if you're like me, I don't I don't get it. I don't their scoring is weird. Sometimes it's five points, sometimes it's fifteen points. I don't look, I'm trying. I am trying. It's always fifteen. Is it? So they play like seven sets, or they play like best of seven. Yes. And yeah, so you get, I forgot, well, I think you had to win by two sets, or not two sets, by two, yeah, sets, because like, it's like love, which is zero, and then like 15, blah, blah, blah. You had to win by two, I believe. And I will say one thing I know about college tennis is that they do a doubles, like they do a doubles set first of multiple doubles pairings going against each yeah. other and whoever whichever school wins the most of those gets an automatic point and then from there it's best of four yeah i don't know between how the team like yeah, all of course. the courts like that's that's how the team part of it works and there's like yeah. five courts that they play on and the first team to win four of those courts including the doubles point wins the match it's yeah, I don't know. I if you guys know of like a YouTube crash course and how college tennis works, please send it to me. Cause I'm clueless. <laughs> I don't want to be clueless, but I am. All right. So here's the part where it's everything that you guys have been waiting for while we ramble on about other sports. But support all Georgia sports. Because yes. every dollar goes to the athletic department not just football dollars go to the football team so rising tides raise all boats when it comes to the athletic department as a whole Mm -hmm. so for football news we're going to mostly talk about the offensive side of the ball with a few defensive notes and honestly that's just because there's not a lot of turnover on the defense this year cuz mo- they rotate guys through so much. You got guys with starter snaps that were considered second string, all that kind of stuff. Um but there is there's a ton of newness on the offense. 
So we're kind of going to go through a few things that Kirby has said over the last week or so and give our take on what he means because he never says what he means. It's just the coach thing. Because he is the Sabanism in him. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be like, this Coke is good. And meanwhile, spit it out. And you're like, I don't understand. What? I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> really, he's talking so, about Coke. Hey, now. And then coaching schedules, you might need reasons, it. For legal reasons, Kirby does not do cocaine. That'd be a wild night. Dude. <laughs> Top four people I want to do cocaine with. Kirby Smart. That's a joke. Kirby Smart. Sam Pittman. I think Kiffin would be fun to do coke with. Oh, yeah. I don't know who my fourth would be. Out of like SEC coaches, I don't know. Maybe Hugh Freeze. You know, we can, call, we can call some people up. Oh, yeah, get some massages. There you go. Yep, that's it right there. That's my four. <laughs> I might switch out Pittman, though. For who? I might switch out Pittman. For who? Could you imagine Mark Stoops on Coke? I don't know. I feel like Pittman would be so much more fun. Yeah, but he's he's getting up there in age. He may not be able to take it. Okay, fine. Billy Napier. <laughs> Sunbelt Bill. Sunbelt Bill. Hey, Georgia Baseball won. Yeah, let's go. We finally get some positive talking about Georgia Baseball on the show. Barely. They had the fucking win and run at the plate, and he struck out. Oh, that would have been rough. <laughs> <laughs> all right back to football and not about drugs yeah all that was a joke for legal reasons absolutely absolutely there's there's no illicit activity going on for either of us there's no cocaine in my system because i did it three days ago just kidding hell right brother hell right all right raise hell praise We'll eventually get to football, guys. I promise. I'm trying. All right. So Kirby is doing his best to lower the expectations the fan base has of the offense. No. And I'll, I'll be honest. I like it because reading his reading what he said brought up a point that I had not necessarily put enough stock into. And I'm not talking about play calling. Because you guys know, trust in Bobo. And Bobo, we trust. You know, all that Bobo good stuff. Trust. But Georgia is losing two mountainous human beings on the offense. Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington. Yeah. yeah. And last season, as we all know, Georgia went undefeated 15-0 has the record for the largest blowout in bowl history, not just national championship history. We all know this. Broderick Jones did not allow a single sack in 15 games. Oh, I'm also glad you brought that up. Because the left guard, I can't remember his name. Pretty sure it was the guard for Ohio State. Tackle. Huh? Paris, Paris Johnson. Yeah, they're like 
has a lot of sack all season, but there's literally a highlight of Michael Williams bum rushing him and sacking CJ Stroud. Well, yeah, it was it was the other guy's responsibility. Oh yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no, Roderick Jones legitimately at left tackle going against some of the best pass rushers in the country did not allow a single sack all year. No. And Georgia is replacing him. Chances are with a guy who's never started a game at tackle before. Huh, nice. And we all know what Darnell Washington did for the dogs last season. Most of you guys probably got tired of me talking about him not getting enough pass catching plays. But when he was in line blocking, he was just a third tackle for the offense. Like he was the size and strength of an offensive lineman. So we are losing essentially three tackles this offseason between Warren McClendon, Broderick Jones, and Darnell Washington. So, and not only that, and we're going to talk about this here more in just a second. Most running backs are not playing spring ball. So the first few weeks is probably going to be a little pass happy, I would say, of the season. Because currently there are two scholarship running backs in spring practice. And they're still trying to figure out left tackle. And you don't have Darnell Washington that can throw three people at a time to the ground. Hmm. So I am extremely happy at the beginning of the season is just a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah. In South Carolina. Well, first three weeks. Dude, it hit me the other day. I'll be in Columbia at the beginning of the season. And there's games second in week. Athens. Huh? Games in Athens. I know, but I'm saying South Carolina's second game is against Furman. I might be Why taking a you... trip in Willie B because I'll be there. You'll also only be three hours from Athens. Yeah, but I don't know if I can go that far. Just do what you want. What are they going to do? Fire you? And if I'm with you, I'm definitely not coming back that night. <laughs> I have Morgan Drive. She'll be up here. I'll be down there by myself. Mm. Mm. That's a good point. Yeah. Solid. Solid. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. So I'll be taking a trip into Willie B for the Furman game. God help you. Hit up I Chris Phillips. To... He'll protect you. Yeah. I just want to be part of Sandstorm. It looks so much fun. I, I, I've got to get up to to Columbia for a game, just hang out with him. Do it. Let's go to the Furman game. You you got to consult with Kelsey. She she is my travel agent. Just do and, what you want. Uh, Is that what you just told me? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so here's, here's the difference. I have a 95 Wrangler that gets 10 miles to the gallon at best and has a four-inch <laughs> lift on it. I'm not driving that thing to Columbia South. Have you driven on South Carolina roads lately? Um, yeah. I don't know about lately, but I'm sure they haven't changed much. No, they've gotten worse. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, I would lose like three inches of lift 
on my Jeep driving on South Carolina roads. It's a low rider Jeep. Yeah. Man, when you left, like you had to you had to use your running boards to get in it. And now you're scrubbing tires. South Carolina roads are hell. South Carolina. Take, South Carolina roads are tougher than their defense. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Hey. So uh, we're going to keep going with the running back stuff because I think that is a that is a huge part of what's going on with the team right now. Because yeah. I, I said it a second ago, there are two scholarship running backs doing spring practice because Kendall Milton hamstring injury. And last year's spring enigma, the guy that everybody thought was going to be returning kicks, he was going to be returning punts, he was going to be working his way into the running back rotation, Andrew Paul. Two first names, that guy. He tore his ACL late last spring, and he's still not a full go at practice, probably because they're trying to keep him healthy because of the running back injuries. And Dejan Edwards... It has been sidelined so far this spring with an undisclosed injury. So, Jesus. so far this spring for scholarship running backs, we got the Robinson duo, Branson and Roderick. And both of those guys are extremely, extremely, extremely talented. Branson Robinson, five-star. Roderick Robinson, high four-star, five-star, depending on where you look. We are super high on Roderick Robinson and Branson Robinson. But when you're taking live reps, you can accidentally get hurt. Like somebody can try to not tackle you hard and roll your shit up. Isn't Branson hurt? Branson's practicing. He played in the scrimmage on Saturday. I knew one of them was hurt. I just didn't know which one it was. So, G-Day, I know we got a lot of people that listen to us that are going to this game. Don't expect a lot of running back plays, whether it's passes out of the backfield, runs, because if you were at G-Day and one of these guys got hurt, tore something, had to come out of the game, that would be disastrous for the overall season. And that's what really actually matters. Yeah. And, you know, this goes for everybody that we're talking about today. This is everyone's first year in Mike Bobo's offense. So all these guys that are injured right now and not necessarily able to play, it's going to be tougher for them at the beginning of the season because it's a brand new offense. Yeah. So, like, in Bobo we trust. But let's let's try to look at this take off those red and black glasses for a minute and try to try to put some perspective on what all's going on here. But we trust thing, this is the 2012 SEC championship game. I mean, to be completely fair, that was a touchdown pass that got tipped. We just had to spike the ball. It was a touchdown pass that got tipped. They were trying to catch Bama, you know, off balance a little. If that pass wouldn't have been tipped, or if Chris Conley wasn't such a good wide receiver. Because the problem is it was a tipped pass. No, it was a tipped pass. And out of instinct, he was like, 
See ball, get ball. Yeah, and then fall. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's nobody's fault. It's a comedy of errors. Yeah, that's because I have spent way too much time thinking about that over the last decade. <laughs> I went to high school in West Georgia, and half the kids there were Alabama fans. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. We didn't have near as many Auburn fans as you guys did in Columbus. The problem is Alabama was better than Auburn when I was in high school. Yeah. All right. I do want to talk about the transfer wide receivers for a minute because I think this is, you know – Kirby, as you know, he's probably forgotten more about football than I've ever known, brings up another good point about the uphill climb that the transfer players are going to have this spring. And what I mean by that is, especially with Ra Ra Thomas, we all know he can make plays. We all know he's fast. We all know he's shifty. We all know he's got great hands and a great catch radius. What we haven't talked about enough is the mental aspect of it. And that's not in any way, shape, or form, any stretch of the imagination saying that he's not smart. But he's coming from a Mike Leach offense that has like 10 plays. In that air raid offense where they had 10 plays, you wind up in the same spot. You just ran a different different route for the different plays. And now he is going into the Mike Bobo spread pro kind of style of offense where there are dozens of plays that each have little individual wrinkles to them. And, you know, I, I think that's definitely going to be a huge uphill climb for Ra Ra coming from that Mike Leach limited play offense to the Mike Bobo offense. That's going to have a ton of plays. So, I mean, Kirby specifically has said, he makes plays when he knows what to do, but sometimes he has to like ask one of the coaches on the sidelines, what does this mean? Yeah. So well, I've heard nothing but high praises from about both of them. Yeah. No, I, I, I once for me, I think Ra Ra is gonna come on slower into the season. I think by the time you get into the big games, he'll have it figured out. Yeah. But going from like 10 plays to dozens of plays, that's got to be difficult. Yeah. No, for sure. And Kirby spoke very highly of Dominic Lovett. And um, it, Georgia fans should be drooling at the possibilities of what can happen this season because Dominic Lovett, has regularly made plays on the best slot corner in college football this spring, and that is Javon Bullard. Kirby has said they've gone one-on-one, and Dominic Lovett has won a good bit of those matchups. Oh, yeah. I mean, that point-blank period, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Speaking of Bullard. Good. Do you see his, um, his NIL deal he just signed? Yeah, did you hear about Ohio State fans yeah. giving one-star reviews to the cookie dough place that gave them the NIL deal? <laughs> so, for those of y'all that aren't tracking, uh, Javon Buller signed an NIL deal with was it ice cream or cookie dough? It's alumni cookie dough. Yeah, 
to um, a new flavor, and the flavor is called Buckeye Crunch. And the picture associated with it is the hit where he legally knocked out Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. But, yeah, and then Ohio State fans are leaving one-star, like, reviews and stuff like that on the the website. Oh, no, it's on Google. (laughs) It's on Google? (laughs) Yeah. So, do your civic duty as a Georgia fan and go leave Alumni Cookie Dough a review with five stars on Google to combat the Ohio State fans that are just upset that they haven't been actually relevant in a decade. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, man, I lost track where I was at. Here we go. So... Dominic Lovett, back to him for just a couple more seconds. I think the big step up that he had on Raw Raw coming into the offense is that he already played in a in a more complex, granted it was ineffective, offensive scheme at Missouri. Yeah. So like, it was very effective. No, it wasn't. They only had like 200 yards of offense on the day. Yeah, it just looked so good. We just couldn't tackle. Hey, Malachi Starks could tackle. Yeah. He he saved the game God. with one tackle. Well, thank God. Yes. Forever and ever, thank you, Malachi. Yeah, I don't know what was better, that chase down or the LeBron chase down in the finals? <laughs> uh, Malachi, because Michael Jordan is still better than LeBron. Oh, yeah. I figured that would piss a couple people off, so I I said it. I'm sure. All right. So now we're moving on to the left tackle position. Georgia is losing two tackles, but Amarius Mims, he, I mean, he played half of the playoff at right tackle for Warren McClendon with injuries and all that good stuff. So we're we're not even worried about that, right? No. Left tackle. And both of these guys, from what I read last season, were like nipping at Broderick Jones' heels for how good they were performing. But they both had injury issues late in the fall camp, so they kind of fell back a little bit. First, we're going to talk about a guy named Austin Blasky, and he was a three-star recruit in the class of 2020 out of Guyton, Georgia, which is probably 30 minutes from me. Shout out Effingham County. And he's one of the guys that's fighting for that left tackle spot. You guys are probably going to hear three-star, not really think he should get it. But the thing about the 2020 class is there were no camps. Yeah. So, like, what they saw on your junior tape, like, you could have grown three inches and gained 50 pounds of muscle. But what they saw on your junior tape was was just what you were rated at. So he was recruited as an interior lineman out of high school. But the staff, and I think at this point, we all just kind of implicitly trust the coaching staff. But through his development, have seen he's improved on his footwork, he's improved on his hand speed, all that kind of stuff. Because what this staff has looked for over the last few years. You got to have quick hands, quick feet, 
and you got to be able to just beat guys up completely. Yeah. <laughs> but thing about left tackles, you also have to have a high football IQ because you're going to be pointing out rushers and this coverage and that coverage and all that kind of stuff. So you have to be intelligent about reading defenses at the left tackle position. So both of these guys have checked all the boxes for the coaching staff. The other guy is Ernest Green. He was also recruited as an interior offensive lineman, but this was the guy that I heard nothing but, like, if Broderick slips up, he might take his job. And then he got hurt in fall camp. So for those of you that may not remember, Ernest Green was the number two interior offensive lineman in the country for the class of 2022. He was a high four-star, barely missed out on being a five-star. And from what we have heard about these two guys is that they have an edge on each other in different areas. So Austin Blasky has the mental edge. He is the backup center, so he understands how to read defenses. He's been in the program two years longer, and he was the – Words. Words are hard. What's what I'm looking for? Words are very hard. I don't know. Oh, Austin Blasky. He came in as as a tight end, in air quotes, for the goal line short yarded situations. So, I mean, it's – we'll just have to see how this plays out. If I'm, I mean, I just, I don't know a better way to put it. So, but on the other side, where we're talking about Ernest Green having an edge, he was the starting left tackle for the second string offense last G day as a freshman. Nice. So, nice. It, it's, I mean, I, I truly think that this position battle could be more important in the grand scheme of things than the next position that we're talking about. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how talented the quarterback is, if he's getting put in the dirt every play. Yeah. And that was a little teaser because next we're moving on to quarterback. Good transition. So, I'm going to be honest. I put this one off. I I did this at the end for a reason. Because there is next to no information that has been put out about the quarterback. (laughs) This This is like three sentences and speculation. Yeah, pretty much. And, I mean, that's intentional. Kirby doesn't want the media running with a narrative and one of these guys to transfer after spring practice. Because you do not want to go into a college football season with two scholarship quarterbacks. Georgia went through three in 2020, for example. Yeah. So you absolutely do not want to go into a season with only two quarterbacks. But this past weekend was the first scrimmage 
both Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift had three touchdowns. Both Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift had great pocket presence and mobility within the pocket. Those are pseudo quotes. Kirby said this and I reworded it. So, because I don't, I don't talk the way Kirby does. I'm not near as educated. (laughs) So the biggest difference from what has been made public is that it was told to the media that Brock Vandegrift did not seem as fluid going through progressions as Carson Beck. Ooh. So that is quite literally the only difference from what has been told to the media. Yeah. Which, I mean, that, that makes sense, though. If you think about yeah. it. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it, he's a sophomore. And it's a brand new offense. Well, I, I, I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, like, game experience as well. Like, Beck has game experience. He has experience over Vandegrift. So, of course, Carson's going to be more fluent, more, you know, flow, can flow through the reads better. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm still going to go with my bet with my money. and um, Carson is going to be QB1 come the UT Martin game. I'm going to get to mine here in a minute. (laughs) But there's a wild card, right? There's there's a third guy in the room. Is there a walk-on? No, Gunnar Stockton. I know. (laughs) So people are like, wild card? He's It's only a second year in the program. What do you mean? He has family ties to Mike Bobo. Do you think that's going to play a part, though? I don't necessarily think it's going to make a decision. But I think if it is, if it's like 1A, 1B, 1C, you're going to go with the guy you know. Yeah, I guess. And don't get me wrong, I don't think it's 1A, 1B, 1C. But... Mike Bobo's dad was Gunnar Stockton's private quarterback coach when he was in high school. Yeah. So he knows the coaching he's gotten. That means that he knows the exact way to get things across to Gunnar Stockton. That means he knows intimately everything about how to get stuff into his brain. So I think that it's, I think that Gunnar Stockton is going to be, I think he's going to have a big bell curve when it comes to learning the offense. As in like, it's going to take him a minute to get started. It's like a boulder rolling down a hill. It might take a minute to get started, but once it gets going, there's no stopping it. Yeah. No, I can see that. So back, so scrimmage notes from Gunnar Stockton, because all three guys played. It was notably not as smooth as either of the other guys, but this is a big but. He was said to have made many, many plays with his legs. And what is something over the last two national championship seasons that Kirby has said played a big role in who was starting at quarterback? Yeah. Mobility. 
Carson's also got some mobility, though. He does, but the one time I remember from last season that he took off and run, he fumbled the ball. No, the Vandy, he ran against Vandy. Or was that? Was it, was that I fumble? think that was a fumble. Yeah, it was a fumble. Uh, uh, Where he like tripped over his own feet and fumbled the ball. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I'm not saying Carson can't do it. Like, I, I'm getting to it right here. If I had to handicap the quarterback battle right now, I backtrack on what I said when Munkin was still the offensive coordinator. I'm going to say Carson is one, and Brock is like 1.5. Yeah. He's not necessarily two. He's like 1.5. And to me, that's mainly his mobility. Because Brock Vandegrift in high school, which was two years ago for this guy, Ran the ball all over the place. Won a state yeah. championship running on a torn MCL. Like, he's got that fucking dog in him. I love. And then I would say Gunner's three. And that's because the biggest thing Kirby said when he was asked about the quarterback battle is, do you know the offense enough to not make a boneheaded play? Yeah. Like, physical yeah. talent's fine, but are you going to make a dumb mistake? Yeah. But I've also heard other players have been raving about Carson Beck and the time that he's putting in at the facility, doing film work on himself, on defenses, studying the new offense, all the things you want in your quarterback going for a three-peat. Multiple guys have said that when they get there at five in the morning, his truck's already in the parking lot. When they leave, his truck's still in the parking lot. I mean, that's what you need from QB1. Yeah. So, I I am – I would say that I am 75-25 splitting my money to Carson being QB1. Yeah. But either way, Carson or Brock, I think that – I think this team's got a great chance to uh, to win the East again this year, regardless of the quarterback. Just a little bit. Yeah, just either way. I mean, you have what one five star or the other five star? Which one's going to be better? Oh no! <laughs> All right, guys. So I think we're actually going to close it out with that. Um, Ooh, no, no! How dare no. you not talk about the two big things going on right now? When you talked about news, okay. Jalen Carter. Have you seen what's going on with him? I think so, but tell me. He has only agreed to top two teams that are drafting in the top ten. If you're not a team drafting in the top ten, he said he will not interview with you and he will not talk to you. I'm pulling the Dion. Yeah. So Sit what down. are you what what are your like Yeah, I'm with the whole incident and the whole all that like Everyone's assuming that his draft stock's just plummeting. So, like, what, what, what are your thoughts on him? Like, just like, yeah, if you're not in the top ten, I'm not talking to you. I'm be a hundred percent honest with you. I think the combine stuff and the pro day stuff had a lot more to do with what was going on with him mentally, yeah, than with what he's capable of. <laughs> 
And I mean, yeah, I agree. We we talked about it on the show before, but if if many of your friends were in a car accident, two of them died. You were in the car right behind them. The police told you, "Yeah, you can leave," and then called you back to the scene. They were like, "All right, you can leave again." And then the day before you go to the biggest job interview of your life, the cops are like, oh, wait, um, yeah. um, actually, it's your fault. Yeah. Like I, that's going to take a toll on you mentally. Yeah. So I think it has much more to do with that than, than actually his ability to play. Because look at the LSU game. Look at the Ohio State game. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, no, I agree. Missouri took him out of the game intentionally because they were scared of how bad they were going to get beat with him in. Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah. All right, you said you, said you had other news you want to talk about. And then, uh, <laughs> this is just funny. Um, new video has surfaced. Of Stetson Bennett's arrest, saying that the police are going to ruin his image by arresting him. Like, so I watched the video. <laughs> I haven't seen the video yet. And most of you guys know my hearing is fucking terrible. Like, like medically, I went to an ear doctor. They were like, "Yo, shit, bro, you can't hear." <laughs> so. I couldn't understand anything they were saying on the video. Like I, I listened. I tried. Yeah. I was like, like I held my phone to my ear and all I was and that was it. <laughs> so if you got good ears, please listen to the video and transcribe it for me because I would love to have an educated opinion. Um but until I have any idea what was said. I, I can't. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I just like if that's really what he said. Like, it's fucking hilarious. I just, I don't understand arresting someone for public intoxication. Dude, and I know we like, talked about it before. There's an entire that? industry built on being drunk in public. How are you going to arrest someone for that? Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. Like, bro, anybody can be. I like. I could walk outside of my house and be arrested for public intoxication. Like, I live in Savannah. This is a party city for the most part. Yeah, I don't necessarily party very much anymore because I'm fucking old and have a full time job. But like, people come down here. There's no open container laws when you're walking around. So you can literally walk into one bar on River Street, get a drink, drink it while you're walking to the next bar, and just do that north to south on River Street. But yeah. but if someone, I guess there's a point where you're too drunk and you can get arrested for public intoxication. Like, I don't, when, you're walk, when you're walking around knocking on people's doors. Well, he said he lost, like one thing that I did hear from the video is he said he lost his phone and he was looking for it. Oh, really? I didn't see that. That's the only thing that I heard from the video. 
Yeah, he lost his phone. He was looking for it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You can't even call an Uber to get back to the hotel if you don't have your phone. That is true. Very true. I, I just, I don't understand the law behind public intoxication. If there's an entire industry built that props up entire cities on <laughs> drinking in public, yeah. Like if we went back to prohibition, the the economy of Athens, Georgia, would be a tenth of what it is now. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I trying to avoid. I'm trying to avoid political conversations. Damn it! Damn, it's the second time. Damn it! God dang it, Bubba! <laughs> now we got to come up with somebody else. <laughs> we got to come up with somebody else. We'll figure it who, out. Who who are we gonna blame everything on? Is it going back to thanks, Obama? Yeah, Bin Laden. <sighs> no, we gotta find we gotta find somebody that's allegedly alive. Allegedly, we'll figure it. We'll make a poll. Yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll do a poll. <laughs> we need someone else. Who should everything get blamed on now? <laughs> All right. I still have not recorded this part, so I'm going to say it again, and all you can suffer through it for a minute. (laughs) Instagram, at nothing.finder.pod. Twitter is at finderpod. Facebook and YouTube, just search us on Facebook and YouTube. Make sure it's got our logo. Um, Oh, if, um, if we don't get much going with the shop here soon, I'm probably going to close it down because Shopify is going to start charging me to keep it open. So you if you want, yeah, if you want anything from our store, it's nothingfinderpod.com. Um, probably be getting closed within the next few weeks just because I don't want to lose money trying to sell things every month. Um, 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 you got anything else? That's it. All right, y'all. Always remember there is nothing finer in the land than a junk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw, lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown!